Seinfeld, the opera is over and has been for quite some time, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap of Podcasts About Nothing. And now, here are the two guys who are always the sad clowns. I'm Rob Sister, here's Akiva Winokur. Akiva, how are you? Good. I'm, I'm just happy nobody put the kibosh on this oh, podcast. Oh, nobody put the kibosh on this podcast yet. Boy, we've got a lot to talk about here tonight. Crazy Joe Davola, clowns, Pagliacci, Cherry Banaka. But Akiva, our top story at this hour, we have breaking Seinfeld news. Uh, that's right. Uh, we, I think we discussed that uh, the rights to the, the digital rights, the Seinfeld were up for sale or for bid. And uh, the winner is uh, Hulu. Wow. Hulu gets the rights to the Seinfeld library. Not, uh, yeah, for the low, not, low price. Not who? Because they not where, where Lieutenant Bookman works. Oh, no, no, not that. That library is uh, that was like there were 12 books in that library. That would not go for, <laughs> you know, a million dollars an episode. or yes. whatever. Wow. OK, so let's, let's talk to me about the specifics of this deal and let's talk about what this means. Uh, yeah, so uh, the the deal was for um, I think it, it it ends up being about seven hundred twenty thousand dollars per episode. Mm. Now, uh, which do they which have to le- pay that per episode? Like, there's some episodes that are probably worth like five million dollars, and then right. like mail on bonding, they could like that one should have been like they should have put a price tag on each episode. That's the, I think that would be funny. What about like the, the clip Monopoly shows? board? Yeah, clip shows valuable. People would go back and watch the clip show. I think on demand. Yeah, I, when you know when I discussed that uh, when I went back last week and looked for everyone's favorite episodes, there was no shortage of people who who you know whose favorite was the clip show. I mean, if you're flipping through Hulu and it's like uh, I only have time to watch one Seinfeld episode, let me watch the clip show. I feel like that might be something that you might hit on the menu. Yeah, especially if you haven't watched it in a while. You know, it's like oh, these are just a lot of memories. It's cutting out all yeah. the fat. But I think that you know, just to clarify, they just pay one price and then we're just dividing by one eighty. If we're not actually paying a price per episode. Right. And I, I mean, what do you think about this, though? Like, did they spend too much money? Is this as a, you know, as a, as a social media mogul yourself? Like, is this going to pay off for them? $160 million for Hulu. I don't know what Hulu pays for other things, but I find it hard to imagine that Hulu is going to be able to recoup that money. Now, maybe it's a lost leader where other people sign up for Hulu because of Seinfeld and but do you, I mean, do you think that that people will sign up for Hulu? Uh, I mean, I'm already a Hulu Plus member, uh, and there's a lot of good stuff on there. But I mean, Seinfeld is on so much in syndication. If you have a DVR and you just set a season pass for it, you know, you, at any given moment, you'd have no less than ten Seinfeld episodes on your DVR. Will people pony up? I believe it's seven ninety nine a month for Hulu Plus for the uh, to watch the back catalog of Seinfeld. Right, and uh, just to correct, I, I, the uh, the deadline article I was reading uh, had it at about seven twenty an episode, but uh, I think the final price ended up being more. Variety, I see eight seventy five an episode for, like you said, almost one hundred sixty million dollars. Um, yeah, I think I think um, the one thing that this has going for it that the constant airings on TBS and on you know, CW or where, or Fox or wherever in your you know local town, wherever the uh, regular Seinfeld episodes come, is that this can, Hulu can also be watched internationally in some countries, right? Yes, I, I, I think right. It's not geo blocked. Maybe in some countries it is, some it isn't. So it, Seinfeld is definitely popular outside the United States. So you could have people paying that who maybe can't watch the reruns on a regular basis. Yeah, 
and also the cord cutters. Like there's a lot of people now who don't have, um, you know, don't have cable anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely, you know, if you're not a sports fan, uh, if you're a sports fan, it's very hard to be a real cord cutter. Yes, that's but true. If, if, you're, if you're not a sports fan, you, it's very easy to be a cord cutter. You could sign up for HBO Go or whatever it's called and, and you know, Hulu and Netflix. And for, you know, a tenth of the price of cable, you're, uh, you, you got so much. So I, I think they will definitely get subscriptions. I just think the, the price is too steep. There's a reason why, um, you know, when I, we discussed this article like a month or two ago, Netflix had already bowed out of the bidding. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, and Netflix is probably a bigger company than Hulu. And uh, maybe they know, you know, what's what. And maybe, maybe they just didn't need it. Hulu maybe needed me. Hulu's a little more down market maybe and needed to make a bigger splash. Yeah. I know that so, Hulu was where I watched all those episodes of uh, Review. So it was very good. I mean, I feel like it's it's really great for a bunch of shows that you are watching currently that like if you want to catch up on a season of a show that's out, that's on right now, it's really great. They have all sorts of like current season episodes. It's the current season episodes that are the hardest to get. Like, for instance, like a show might be on Netflix, but Netflix doesn't get a show until after the season is over when it would go on DVD, that's when it ends up on Netflix, where Hulu like updates the catalog and they have a lot, a lot of the Comedy Central shows. Um, you know, I think that they have a lot of the Fox shows and what is it? NBC also is on Hulu. So it's, it's really great for a show that like if somebody, if you want to get in on a current season show, um, Hulu is a great thing to have. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it's a lot of money. So it's obviously a huge risk, but it's not our money. So I don't think we get any of it, actually. No, we don't get any of it. However, I think it's a fantastic thing for this podcast because for the course of this show, we've been telling people, well, if, if you have the DVDs or if you happen to catch this episode, now people will have the opportunity to legally, at any point on demand, watch any episode of Seinfeld and also listen to whatever recap they wanted to. So there will be a point in the future where somebody could sit there on Hulu, watch any episode of Seinfeld, and then go to post-show recaps and listen to any recap that we've done about any episode. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, we don't get points from this deal or a piece, but uh, but you know, we, we could still profit from it. Yes, hopefully there'll be some sort of a halo effect that will move over to this. And it looks like that the deal is supposed to kick off in June which would coincide with the one-year anniversary of Seinfeld post-show recap. Uh, that's right. Yeah, happy birthday to us. <laughs> happy birthday to us coming next month. So what a great gift for Seinfeld to uh, move over to Hulu Plus. Very exciting. All right. Uh, what else going on? And of course, nothing could supersede that. But uh, what, what else could be happening in the world of Seinfeld? Well, I do have some more news, but uh, we just got a, a tweet as we were um, on air here from Drew. And he said, Jerry often refutes the claims of how much he's worth from Seinfeld. This will not help him. Uh, I would agree. Yep. Fair enough. <laughs> fair I enough. Mean, I, how much money? Because you hear like somebody hears, um, you know, $875,000 an episode. And we don't know what percentage Jerry gets. But even if it's only 10%, and I, I think it's probably more than that. But even if it's only 10%, like it's only for five years. Like this deal, if it's successful, gets done again in five, maybe for less money because the show would be 30 years old then, but it gets done again in five years. And like when you hear like, uh, you know, TBS paid a million dollars an episode or, or Fox paid a million dollars an episode in syndication, like that's just for a few years. Right. So they, they've like had this money rolling in on like six, seven, eight different occasions already. Jerry and uh, Larry 
it like there's if you told me they were both billionaires, I would believe you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's a lot of money. I mean, it's to me, it's unfathomable to even, you know, start to calculate where it is. Just both of those guys are uh, insanely wealthy. And I don't even know, uh, you know, where you even put a, a number on it, you know? Yeah, I mean, at least La- Jerry has like a fa- has like kids. Larry, I don't. Does Larry have children? I don't well, think he's he does, divorced, right? so he's not. I think Jerry. Right, I'm doing saying better. he just like what's he spending money on? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. But you know, I, I don't think that the money is a is a big factor for either of these guys. All right, so they should give give us a piece. Um, <laughs> for the for other news this week, um, a couple of quick uh, talk show related things. Yes. Um, Jerry was on uh, David Letterman show is ending in the next few weeks and Jerry made his final appearance. Yes. Uh, and he did, he did something which was a nice touch. He uh, did his set from the first time he was on Letterman many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. And he didn't tell anybody uh, like you see Letterman kind of figuring it out as he walks over to Letterman after he's done with his, his standup set. Uh, you know that like, cause he's clearly telling old jokes, but maybe he just, you know, Jerry's not one of these throw at his jokes guys. He does repeat jokes. Um, but, it, you know, he did the exact set from, uh, you know, from, from whatever it is, 25 years ago, uh, on Letterman. And then he, then he interviewed Letterman. It was actually not a bad spot, okay. Jerry and Letterman. I feel like that's also like Letterman is also like so rich and so like mighty that there's only a few people he actually like respects when they're, it's weird when the host is more relevant than the guest. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And like Letterman is for a lot of people, Letterman is like more relevant. So when he has someone like like Jerry or Howard Stern on and he like respects them. It's, it's like an interesting uh, dichotomy. And the other one was Jason Alexander went on the show after Letterman. Mm-hmm. J- uh, what's his name? James. I'm playing on his name. He's British. Corden. Corbin. Corden. 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 He was on with, uh, with Kat Dennings from two broke girls. And she said, and I'm sure this like uh, most late night things was not pre-planned. Of course not. Uh, she said that, uh, her ringtone is the believe it or not, George is in at home answering machine. But just she took it from her like computer off an episode of Seinfeld. So then Jason Alexander got up there and recorded it uh, for her. But the one thing I thought was weird, Rob, was uh, right before he's about to talk into his, the phone, he says, should I he talks, to, he turns to Kat Dennings and he, he says, should I do this as Jason or as George? Yes. But he's saying Kat, he's like, believe it or not, Kat isn't at home. So he didn't mean the name. He meant like as a person. But what does that even mean? Are they different people? Does his voice, is his voice different than George's? I mean, he's much older now. Mm-hmm. It's 25 years later, but I don't think so. But I know he thinks so. Yeah. And did he do a good job? It's weird. You know, he's like a little old now. Speaking of old, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, 61st birthday Happy today. Happy birthday. Yeah, he had a good birthday present. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Happy birthday. What, is it, what does it really mean anyway? All right. Uh, Akiva, are you ready to jump into talking about the opera? Yes. Okay. So, of course, the opera is the ongoing story of Crazy Joe Tavola and all of the stuff that we've set up so far here in season four. This episode originally aired on November 4th, 1992. And, of course, uh, it is uh, written by Larry Charles. You said it was the most Larry Charles episode of any episode last week. Why do you say that, Akiva? Because I, I just think with the clowns and um, the over-the-top craziness of Crazy Joe Devola, to me, uh, if you didn't know Larry wrote this episode, Larry Charles wrote this episode, you would know just by watching it. Do you disagree? 
No, I think you're right. I, I mean, his stuff has been the darkest of any of these Seinfeld writers, the most over-the-top stuff. And this is certainly an episode which, in a lot of ways, doesn't necessarily feel like a Seinfeld episode. Yeah, even the beginning, uh, the opening scene where you're like on uh, Crazy Joe DeVol's face is so like almost out of the canon of what we know to Seinfeld to this point. Yeah, and I think that probably some of the themes that we're going to talk about in this episode are... I just feel like um, maybe is this too much of a departure from what we lo- what we love about Seinfeld? I guess it depends on what you're into, but I mean, this does feel like it's just really big, and there's danger, and our characters are potentially going to get murdered by Crazy Joe Davola. And is that too much of a departure? I don't want to sound like Jason Alexander in every single one of the inside looks, but. <laughs> Is this is this too different than the show about nothing, which is about our everyday lives and the minutia and all these little inconveniences that, you know, these people have the, the all these first world problems, which really they just talk about the individual little minutia of everything and what's annoying to them and all that stuff. And here we have like a real threat to all of their safety here in Crazy Joe Davola. So you're saying like it used to be a show about nothing and now they're adding uh, the the uh, clown from the opera is kind of like adding a butler to this show. <laughs> I don't know if it's about like adding a butler, but I just feel like any time that we have our characters in physical peril, I feel like that's a different show than what Seinfeld is supposed to be at its core. Yeah, I mean, this is real like it's one thing like if you get robbed, like, you know, Kramer's on the, you know, getting robbed on the train or something or if someone's life is in peril, like we are led to believe from what we know about crazy Joe, like he is going to murder Elaine. Right. And Jerry, he's going to put the kibosh on them. He's going to put the kibosh on her. That is part of, you know, this is really like a a light parody of the, of the opera Pagliacci. How do you pronounce it? Pagliacci. Pagliacci, excuse me. There's a G, but it's silent, right? I believe so. You know, and, and like Joe DeVola says, you know, in the opera, the clown's wife gets murdered. Yes, and the so, wife's you know, name he was gonna kill Elaine. is Netta, not uh, Netta yes. from Big Brother Canada. Uh, no, that, that was negative uh, 22 years old at that point. <laughs> yes. Okay, so let's just you know keep that in mind and let's talk about the episode itself. Jerry Standup is talking about how you know uh, men are in a tuxedo because women have the idea that all men are interchangeable. Akiva, is this accurate? I mean, it is an interesting point, uh, the fact that like, our like go to number the number one thing we could wear is just the exact same thing as ever that everyone else can wear. I don't know. I've also never worn a tuxedo, mm-hmm. so I don't know. Like I'm, I'm a suit guy. Do you have you have you worn tuxedos? Yeah, in weddings. No, nah, see, I don't. Um, I don't wear tuxedos like at weddings, even if it's black tie. I just wear my nicest suit. But you don't have a tr- like if you're in the wedding party. Um, no, I, I, I the, the weddings I, I've been in wedding parties and and, and like. I think it's usually suits. Again, maybe that's like a cultural thing. I don't know. But first of all, I haven't put on a suit in three years. <laughs> and I've been to weddings. Like, I don't even wear a suit to weddings now. And it doesn't go with socks and Crocs? Is that the problem? No, I mean, I don't wear Crocs to weddings, but I stopped wearing suits. I don't even like know where my suits are. Okay. Um, I guess there is something to it where the bride is wearing, you know, this. She's like much different than everybody else there. The guys are all wearing the same, the, the same thing. But... I don't know. I, I don't know if uh, women necessarily look at, you know, one man 
is as good as the next. I feel like that's sort of maybe a, a dated thought. Probably. But I mean, again, like you say, mo- a lot of Jerry's humor is men do this and women do that. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about Crazy Joe Davola. And of course, uh, the episode starts on Crazy Joe Davola and he's leaving an answering machine message for Jerry uh, about he has a hair on his tongue. Jerry put it there. Jerry put the kibosh on Joe Davola's deal at NBC. He's going to put the kibosh on Jerry. Your thoughts, Akilah? Oh, well, first of all, the hair on the tongue is random, right? That's I think that's random. I I, I asked a few people. Chester actually um, had the thought that it was probably like he literally when he because you look, he's like touching his tongue. He may have just improv that like he may have actually had a, you know, a hair in his tongue and they just like he kept going and they just left that cut in. Interesting. Because it means nothing like it's so weird. Now, in Curb Your Enthusiasm, Larry is going to have a hair stuck on the back of his throat. Right. Or that's going to be a plot point. Uh, is that a similar thing? I mean, they did steal, you know, or, or you know, repurpose a lot of Seinfeld plot points on Curb, including scalping tickets to an event that people don't usually scalp tickets to, which happens later this episode. Yes. Um, this isn't Elaine's hair that's on his tongue, is it? No, I, I no, because, you know, first of all, he, you know, he's in his apartment. Um, you know, she's clearly never seen his apartment. They've only gone out three times. Yeah. Well, to me, there's so many plot holes in the crazy Joe Davola storyline here. And I know this is a real uh, shut up Akiva moment, but there's so much of that. To answer this question to me, does crazy Joe Davola know Elaine and Jerry's history and that they're friends? Yeah, I would say at some point he does know because he knows preemptively that. Yes, because he spies on her. But I don't feel like in the narrative of the show that crazy Joe Davola has that information. Cause don't you think he would have said something to it and that he's in, he's obsessed with Elaine and Elaine is this close friend of Jerry who he wants to put the kibosh on. So is crazy Joe Davola, is he just so disturbed that to destroy Jerry, he's stealing Elaine away from him because that's, that's his move is all part of this elaborate plan to take down Jerry. It's either that or that crazy Joe Davola doesn't know that Elaine and Jerry uh, have this relationship and that they're, you know, good friends, which they're worried like, oh my God, he's going to see us together and he's going to think that I stole you away from him and that you're the person because that Pagliacci killed his wife, Netta, because he thought she was unfaithful. So did the fact that he was, again, did Crazy Joe Davola, what did he know and when did he know it? Uh, I'm going to say he doesn't know it at the beginning. When they first and meet in the when they first meet, yeah, when they when they miss each other at the therapist's office, all of that. Once he starts doing his spying, which happens off screen, at that point he clearly sees uh, Elaine going into the apartment of uh, Jerry and Kramer. He probably puts two and two together that uh, that Elaine and Jerry um, have. You know, maybe he he may not know that they used to date, which is probably why he thinks that they're dating now which is why he's jealous of Jerry. And that's why he wants to put the kibosh on Jerry because he found out all of this stuff? No, he wants to put the kibosh on Jerry because uh, Jerry said something bad about him to NBC. Like, don't you feel like if Crazy Joe Davola was armed with that information at the point that he is leaving the answering machine message that he would have brought up the Elaine thing? Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, I mean, maybe he wasn't sure, so he didn't want to go on that, but I, that doesn't seem like he needs, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, like two two sources to to go with that. So it's hard to really get inside Crazy Joe Davola's head because he's crazy. But 
Um, I, and you said like, it's not even a shut up Akiva thing. I think um, saying that they shouldn't have done X, they should have done Y. That's like, okay, we're nitpicking. Holes in the plot, are, I think are fair game. Okay. And just one more thing on this, just to go back to the beginning of the season with Elaine is dating Dr. Reston and, oh, I've got this patient and he is off his medication. And now everybody seems to know, even Kramer knows, oh, crazy Joe Davola. He goes to Elaine's therapist that he's on medication. Everybody knows the name Joe Davola. He goes to Elaine's therapist and he's on medication. Everybody knows this. How does Elaine, Elaine has never heard the name Joe Davola before that she says that, you know, obviously she knows of him and she and she calls him Joey Davola. And she says, how did you know his name? And Jerry, like, how did you know his name? That how did the information that he goes to Elaine's therapist never get to Jerry? Like, how have they never had any of these conversations? Like, there's so many ways that this would have come up before. Right. The only thing I could say is that maybe like she started hanging out with Joe, with uh, Joey, um, you know, at the point when she meets him and now she's not at Jerry's apartment so much and therefore she doesn't hear Jerry and or Kramer, you know, talking about it. But she says in this episode they've only gone out three times. So that but also how do they know he goes to Elaine's therapist? But we had this question at the time, right? And like even how does, now at this point where Jerry and Elaine, how are you doing? How do you know his name? How do you know his name? Right. I, I think, um, right. How Kramer and Jerry know Joe Davola is questionable. Yeah. Um, but we've already had that question. How Elaine knows uh, Joe Davola how Elaine or, or does, doesn't, how Elaine know, doesn't know that they, that they know Joe Davola, I think is, is, uh, you know, just uh, good luck it's or like, bad luck on her part. It's unfathomable that you, you'd have to say that like, you know, somebody has run, run, you know, I guess Jerry was the one that had the relationship with Joe Davola and through Jerry Kramer knows Joe Davola, but obviously Jerry thinks that Kramer knows Joe Davola well enough that he's going to invite him to some random party. Like, how many people could be at a party at Kramer's house um, that that Kramer is throwing? Kramer's like, I don't want that nut at my house. Now, maybe that in conversation he said, "Oh, I go to I see Doctor Reston," and like uh, that just so happened to be the doc, the same doctor that Elaine went to. Maybe there's some other person who gave a recommendation to Doctor Reston, like. They have some other mutual friend that that knows Dr. Reston that gave Jerry the recommendation for Elaine or something like that. But it just is so it's so crazy and, and such a circuitous uh, route to get to this uh, to even make it make sense. But whatever. Yeah, maybe it was, uh, you know, maybe it was the guy from the wedding with the toast. <laughs> he, he was like the middleman. <laughs> maybe that's possible. All right. So Bobby Layton. <laughs> yeah, Bobby Layton or, or his dad. Bobby Layton's uh, I think dad. it's his father-in-law, Mr. Reichman. <laughs> Okay, so Jerry and Kramer come inside after Crazy Joe Davola leaves the message and Kramer is trying to get Jerry to go to see the opera. Where did these opera tickets come from? Who is the impetus for getting everybody to go to the opera? I think they want you to believe that Kramer's really into the opera mm-hmm. and that he spearheaded this and then maybe like Susan hears about it and she's, you know, really high class so first of all, Susan should have just procured them opera tickets, but I guess that's bad. That's, that's a bad, the hookup isn't really uh, working right now since they just burned down his cabin. I guess so. So uh, anyway, we're all going to go to see the Pagliacci and Kramer has the tickets and uh, Jerry doesn't want to go. Jerry's trying to back out of it because uh, he's going to be uncomfortable. He doesn't know why they have to sing all the time. I mean, you've never been to the opera, right? No, come on. 
I, I was trying to think of like how much you'd have to pay me to go to the opera. And if like my boss said you could take off a week of work uh, if you go to the opera, it, I would probably go to the opera, but it would, I would really For go back and off? forth in my head. I would at least give each side some thought. I'm trying to think like if I was on Long Island and had to go into the city to go to the opera, I'm trying to think of what you'd have to uh, pay me. Oh, boy, I, I want to say like, I'm trying not to be too cheap. Like, I feel like it might be like um, basically uh, what Kramer was going to get for the two tickets from uh, the first guy that came to the scalper. I think it might be like five hundred dollars. Five hundred dollars um, for what's it called? Five hundred dollars to go. Like, what about if it's just by yourself? Can I be on you my can't phone? Even bring can, a I, I, can I bring my phone? No, it's 1992. Uh, so I can't even have my phone on the train. Oh, oh my! By the way, what did people do on the train? Yeah, we, I guess they read books, right? What did you say? You had a great line. I think it was when the subway. He said that you were just all be alone with your thoughts, and that's a nightmare. Oh yeah, that, yeah. I mean, yeah. If like your phone dies or your iPod dies or whatever back in the day, <laughs> or now. Oh my! God. But I'll I'll go if I have to like go on uh, like a, a trip, or if I'm not driving, or or if I'm on like public transportation, I'll I'll have a backup. Like I'll have a phone and like. Uh, you know, an iPod or a phone and uh, a book. You know, I can't, I can't, you know, risk it that like one will go out and then I'll really have nothing to do the whole time. Yeah. Well, Jerry is trying to get out of it. And he says, what about George and Susan and Elaine? Kramer says, you're the nucleus. You're the straw that stirs the drink. Uh, Jerry is the nucleus. Without Jerry, uh, this group cannot work. Oh, they wouldn't last two seconds. Like, <laughs> you know, we see scenes with Elaine and George and, you know, Jerry's not there and they're just like, all right, what are we, what are we supposed to do? Yeah, we talk about Jerry. All right. So Elaine comes in. She was hoping to get the tickets. She thought Kramer had them. Kramer's friend has them. who's Kramer's friend. Yeah. So that like another thing it, 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 we don't hear about this friend again. Like maybe he decided to get the tickets. Maybe Kramer got a good deal with the tickets, but they're also in demand. So like is someone really giving them first on sale or something? Um, we don't I don't know. There's about 100 issues in this episode. Uh, and Actually, one interesting thing uh, in watching these extra scenes, which are usually a waste of time, is they clearly had too much. This episode was like heavy. They had too much and they cut out things that actually explain parts of the episode. Okay, well, when we get to any of those points, let us know. Yeah, I will. Uh, I will let you know. I mean, listen, don't don't get your hopes up. Like a lot of it does not get explained like Kramer's <laughs> friend. But there are a few things that make much more sense with the deleted scenes. Okay, so Elaine is saying that she was going to go surprise Joey. That's who she refers to Crazy Joe Davola as Joey, and he is an opera lover. And there's a funny exchange between Jerry and Elaine here in this episode where Elaine washes her hands in the sink, and as she's explaining to Jerry like how cultured Joey is and how Jerry isn't, she dries her hands on Jerry's shirt. Uh, is that an improv thing, Akiva, or do you think that was in the script? I think that's in the script. It's, just, it's very funny. It is good. Elaine says that Joey likes something besides Nick at Night. No, that's a shot. I loved Nick at Night back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Well, did you watch Nick, Nick at Night? Yeah, my dad was a big uh, Nick at Night guy, and we had to watch like all the shows that he liked from when he was a kid. What shows? Um, he really uh, used to put on like Car 54, Where Are You? Oh, yeah, that wasn't on and for so long on Nick at Night because that, that wasn't really good. <laughs> oh, my dad would be very upset to hear you say that. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else was on uh, Nick at Night uh, in that era, but I feel like 
Um, you know, basically like it was a lot of like uh, like fifties and sixties like sitcoms and stuff. Like well, that. Lucy was always on. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, you know, what show actually I haven't seen it in a while, but it held up in the late nineties. Uh, Mary Tyler Moore was a very good show. Okay. And uh, Dick Van Dyke was black and white, but it was funny. Yeah. And I, you know, I love Welcome Back, Cotter. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> yes. Okay, so we cut to uh, Joe Davola doing bench presses while crying. And um, again, very much like, you know, Cape Fear in this episode. Cape what? Cape Fear. Oh, I've heard of it. It's a movie. It's a movie. So they end up playing the message back at Jerry's house. And, you know, this is after Elaine is gone. She's going to go pop in to uh, Joe Davola's apartment. What could go wrong? Guys love that when you pop in. Oh, I'd hate that if anybody popped into my house. Yeah, actually, in the deleted, uh, deleted scene, uh, one of the things she says uh, is that, no, people like it when I pop in. They don't want you to pop in, Jerry. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess Elaine is fun. Yeah, I mean, as far as pop-ins go, Elaine is okay. But, yo, I don't want to pop in. Like, I had someone pop in today, and, like, my house was a disaster, and it was embarrassing. Well, like, every, I would have cleaned. Now, again, this could be the good pop-in. This could be a, a pop-in that Joe Davola might like. Again. I don't like the pop in because, uh, you know, I'm a guy who's married and, you know, but I'm, you know, in my pajamas most of the day. And, you know, that is just going to be somebody, you know, popping in here and, you know, distracting me from looking at things on the computer. And then I have to, you know, talk about whatever they want to talk about. And it just keeps me from doing my work. And I'm going to have to just like, you know, stay up later or whatever. It's going to be terrible. But, if I'm a, you know, a single guy and I just met uh, a woman, like, I don't know if I'm against the pop in in that spot. Right. But let's say you were like a sociopathic killer. I love the pop in. I love the pop in. I guess that's true. I right? What does he know? Joe Duvall, I mean, what's I mean, that there's no downside for Joe Duvall. I guess the downside is that you get, you know, cherry binaca in the face. He keeps his door open because he wants to encourage intruders. Yeah, he likes it. It's actually one of the better lines. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, the good, this could be the good pop in. One thing could lead to another here, Akiva. That's true. I mean, I, I guess Joe Devola, like, he has it both ways because it could be a really good pop in or he could murder her. So either way, it's a win win like, for Joe Devola. Yeah. Yes, it's a win win. The only way it's bad is, again, the binaca in the face. So Joe Devola is, you know, holding his hand over a candle after, like, they cut to, let's play the message. And we cut back to uh, Jerry, who's hysterical uh, about what should they do. They, we, again, we talked about this thematically on Seinfeld for a while, about the role of police on Seinfeld. Yeah, and you think that uh, he has like a cynical view of the police. Yeah, they're either shown as people that are either sort of getting in the way or sort of like this like toothless, you know, incompetent bureaucracy that can't really do anything. You know, it's like, well, what, do you, what, what are the police going to do? They're not going to be able to do anything. Even in this episode, Jerry's calling the police and saying like, hey, he's trying to kill me. And like, well, we can't do anything. You know, they're never seen as, you know, other than the time that Kramer's in the subway car where he's getting chased uh, on the subway. The police, I don't, I can't think of a time when they are shown as being heroic. It's a good point. Do you think it's police or do you think it's more of an anti-authority point of view? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe it might be more more authority. It might be more an establishment of just like a general tone on like there's just red tape and everything and nothing actually gets done and everything is a frustrating experience. 
I mean, that might be more of it than to, you know, specifically say it's about the police. Right. Because like the, the head of NBC is an idiot. And, you know, you go to the uh, library and the head of the book department is is a lunatic. And the, the old teacher, you know, is now a homeless guy with, uh, you know, no teeth. And it, it just seems like anyone who is in a position of authority gets like beaten down. Interesting. Let's keep an eye on that as we go yeah. forward through the next uh, 131 episodes of this show. So, when you say it like that, that sounds like a lot of episodes to go. <laughs> a lot of episodes to go. Yeah. And, and what is Hulu paying us for episodes? I uh, I don't I mean uh, I don't know probably after I after <laughs> we I don't even get down free Mark, Hulu we don't even get free well I, you never got free, they used to be a sponsor of your show you never no, got I, free I Hulu. did get a you know I think I was supposed to get uh, a month of free Hulu and I don't think I got that oh you're supposed to get a month I feel like if you're a sponsor you should if you're like a lifetime you know yeah you should get like at least a year yeah I'm trying to think let me see if the link still works up or uh, HuluPlus.com/slash/rob they're gonna put all the episodes on Hulu Plus right. I'm not sure if it's going to be a regular Hulu or Hulu Plus. Uh, I think that does still work. I think you get two weeks uh, free on Hulu. Anybody Plus. could get two weeks free. Oh, you mean with your code? Yeah, that's what I think. That, I think or maybe get, everyone can get one week free. And everybody get, yeah, I think everybody gets one week free. And I think the code you get two weeks free. You when know? I do like one of those things like Netflix or Hulu, like I, I set myself like 400 reminders to cancel it the day beforehand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But, so to answer your question, no, we're probably not getting a sponsorship after that. No, we'll see. We'll see. And um, I did call it down. I did call it down market. Like, I apologize. If Hulu people, if you're out there listening, uh, can you get us uh, Jerry or Larry on the show? <laughs> Just we don't need both. We need Jerry or Larry. Yes. Yes. All right, Akiva. Big, uh, big stuff this week. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld is coming on to promote uh, Seinfeld on Hulu Plus this week. Jerry, are you there? Uh, Rob, by the what's way, what's going on? Hey, Akiva. Uh, Jerry, we have a question for you. Yeah. Uh, in the episode, the opera, why are there 4,000 plot holes? I don't know. Why, why are we even talking about this? Uh, I mean, uh, it, was, it was 23 years ago. Uh, who, what, uh, I mean, with all the things going on in the world today, let, yeah, let's talk about crazy Joe Devola and the genesis of that storyline. All right. So are you saying that he actually was a friend of Elaine's therapist or is, did Elaine end up meeting him through some other guys? I got to go. I got to go. All right. All right. Take care. All right. All right. There you go. Jerry I could see some publicist coming on like, uh, yeah. after, after our first question, like, uh, Jerry's got a, uh, yeah. I know it's eight thirty. Jerry's got an eight thirty one. So uh, we're going to be wrapping up. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, for the record, I think that we would probably do better with Larry. Yeah, I think Larry, yeah, Jerry, someone, tw- I think Sarah Silverman tweeted once, like, things were going great until you asked me to be on your podcast. And Jerry retweeted it, and he rarely tweets. So probably podcasts are not his favorite thing. Uh, and also publicity, not his favorite thing. We have like uh, a, a 0.01% chance at Jason Alexander, I'd say, mm-hmm. but a 0% chance at Jerry. Yeah, I think that's... And a, f- a 50% chance at Heidi Swedberg. But first, I got to uh, get <laughs> on that. How's that going? I, I, I meant to do it. I've been very busy, uh, but uh, this week I will take care of that. Okay. You didn't put the kibosh on the plan, did you? Uh, no, I, I've, I, a lot of my plans have been kibosh this week. <laughs> I've been pretty busy, but uh, that, I'm, that's at the top of my list. It's yeah. number one. For the record, I do think Larry David would uh, entertain our uh, ridiculous ideas a bit more. 
I think if we approached it in the right way and he was in a good mood, but I, if he came on, we'd probably just end up talking about the Jets then most of the time. <laughs> well, that would be fine. That would be fine. I think he would be fine. I guess with Jerry, I think the approach would probably be to go Mets first. I think would that be the way to go? Yeah, I don't think Jerry is a big football fan. I think it's Jets for no, Larry I mean, and Mets I, I think Jerry. if we opened with talking about the Mets, I feel like that might disarm him a bit. A little, but he, he talks about the Mets. Like I, Larry's excited to talk about the Jets because... He hasn't done a lot of press over the years like Jerry has. Like mm-hmm. he wouldn't even do like the Tonight Show type things until a couple years ago. I, I mean, Jerry is uh, I don't know. He, he can get very like uh, hostile, <laughs> even, you know, in some ways. I mean, Larry's a lot older now, so maybe he's like softened up a little bit. But in some ways, like Larry deep down is sweeter than Jerry. I love that we've just spent like 10 minutes game planning, like two fictional <laughs> interviews that we're never going to get. Uh, well, guys, we're also soliciting questions for Larry and Jerry. Yeah, we're going to open I'm up. We're never going to ask for these interviews, let alone get them. <laughs> if, look, guys, if everyone tweets on the same day to at Jerry Seinfeld, I'm not even sure if that's his Twitter name. Uh, it can we get the guy ball. that does modern Seinfeld on Twitter? Maybe can we get that, that person. Wait, hold on, Rob. I emailed him when we were having... Like uh, when we had like uh, Melman and stuff in the second season, he big time. He didn't even answer me. Nancy, <laughs> maybe we. He didn't even it. answer my email. Modern Seinfeld. What if we all tweeted to Modern Seinfeld on the same day? We would we be able to get that guy. The first, the one of the two guys is uh, Gondelman has like a lot of Twitter followers and now works for uh, John Oliver's show. Mm. He's like he's a writer on it. But the other guy only has like two thousand. So I could get that guy uh, for sure if I if I ask him. Okay. All right. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. What about Joe Davola? Can we get Joe Davola? We could get, the thing is, I'm, I'm kind of like hesitant to get any of the secondary actors, but you can get a lot of them. Like the Soup Nazi would come on right now if we called him. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I met him one time. Yeah, he, he has tried to make a living. Oh, you told me on the, on the Seinfeld uh, tour. No, no, I didn't go on the Seinfeld tour. I met him. I, I used to do like, um, like I, I would do like odd jobs like for production. And, and there was like some like, like charity that like needed like a, a person to like film like I, it was like one of these like ho- horrible gifting suites where it was like the like the f level celebrities would go to on like you know like all these big a-list celebrities they wanted oh it's golden globes weekend well, let me go to the best gifting suites this was like the worst gifting suite this was like the lowest of lowest that you could actually go to a gifting suite if you were a celebrity and they just had like they had like the worst like schlock that you wouldn't even want. And the soup Nazi was one of the people that went to the gifting celebrity uh, for the, like the lowest of the worst celebrity gifting suites. The soup Nazi was there and I, and I met him. What were they giving out? Uh, It was just like, you know, it was like, it was almost like they were giving you out stuff that like, that you'd have to pay for. It was like, it was like they were giving out like coupons and things like that, where you have to like go in like, uh, like, Oh, this is like $10 off. Uh, this whatever at the, at this salon or and it was like oh this is like a thera fresh uh breath and like it was just like you know nothing good and there were like no no good celebrities there like mr belding was there uh one time that i went i did it like three or four times and it was never anybody that was good like it was just either people that were just so washed up or people that you just never heard of you know mr belding loves karaoke he does. That is all. That's also that's everyone in LA knows that. That's yes. like the one thing I've, that, seen, I've seen that in person. Uh, you like they were giving away like T-shirts and stuff like that. Like you go to like the real gifting suites and you're getting like, oh, Rolex. Oh, great. Oh, new iPhone, iPad. Oh, great. Laptop. 
Perfect. Like, trip to Hawaii. Like, yeah, just throw it in the throw it in the bag. Throw it in the bag. Like this was this is just a disaster. And the soup Nazi was like, you know, one of the more notable people. You know, you have to pay taxes on that stuff. I guess so it's good <laughs> that you got junk. Yes. Like if they give you a Rolex, you have to pay whatever the taxes on it. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to, but then I hear you go to jail. So, but he was just like <laughs> walking around of like, like, yeah, soup Nazi. That's me. Uh, yeah. I feel like he may. Yeah. Okay. What episode are we talking about, by the way? Oh, yeah, the opera. <laughs> oh, okay, we, oh, this also, I, I asked, could we get crazy Joe Uh Yeah. I, we could get him right now. Okay. Great. Can we get the real guy Joe Devola or... Or Crazy Joe Devola. Oh, yeah. It's worth once, you know, now that you mention it, there's a real Joe Devola. Like a lot of names like Lloyd Braun on the show, Larry or Jerry name them after people they know. So there's a real Joe Devola. And in the uh, like the inside look, Elaine or Julie Louis-Dreyfus talks about she met the real Joe Devola and she was really creeped out. And she like didn't want to speak to him because she didn't realize that there was a real Joe Devola. And a guy Mm -hmm. just came over and was like, hey, I'm Joe Devola. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's a crazy scene. Like she almost gets murdered. So she like walked away. And then when she came back to California, uh, from some con or, you know, something con or something that they were at. Um, she had like a basket of like muffins waiting for, which in some ways is probably creepier. Why? Were they just the muffin tops? No, I don't think they were the muffin or they tops. Were the stumps. This, yeah, this is, you know, pre-season, pre is still about season four. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so she met uh, Joe Davola. Okay. Uh, so the real Joe Davola was out there. Yes. Uh, she talks about that in the uh, inside looks. Uh, could, I wonder if we could get the real Joe Davola. I bet, I bet that guy would come on. No, he's like a producer. I was oh, looking man. at, he's got like, a, he's got a Wikipedia page. I mean, you have a Wikipedia page, I guess. We got you. But the, the hold on, Joe Davola. He's not on Twitter. Yeah. There is a real, real Joe Davola. Is he crazy? Oh, you know, this is the real Joe Davola because he's got uh, 13,000 followers. No, he's like the producer of television shows. He's got, uh, he produced all that. You never watch all that? <laughs> I, oh, I know all of that. it. I know of it. Okay, so. He's got some real credits. I don't know if we could get him. Okay. Probably I'm going to ask him right now. Want to come on our podcast right now? <laughs> <laughs> right now. Okay, no, you want to pop in? You want to pop in, Joe Devola? He loves the pop in. Yeah, he loves the pop in. Okay. All right. Yeah. So Jerry and ultimately leaves a message for Joe Devola. And uh, since there's been a big, big misunderstanding, call me back. Um, yeah, a big misunderstanding. Big misunderstanding. All right. So again, we have so many people missing messages in this episode. So Elaine was like, walks in just as the answering machine goes off and she's knocking on the door. She's looking for the Joe Devola, but instead she finds a shrine of Elaine. I just tweeted at real Joe Devola. Hey, you, I hear you love the pop in. Want to come on our Seinfeld <laughs> podcast right now? <laughs> <laughs> Should work. Uh, probably. What He's got go 13,000 followers. If he had like a hundred, he would respond right away. What could go wrong? Okay. I mean, you could, you could murder both of us. Probably. Or at least, like, you know, have our podcast taken down if he's well, got he some could, juice. He like, he's got all that, all, all that money, like the FU, all that money. He could, he could have us both killed. <laughs> hey, hey, yeah. Or he could just, like, uh, like just uh, like hack uh, the websites and just take the show down if he doesn't want. Is that, you know? if, you, if you work in Hollywood, you can do that? You can just, like, hack websites and take down podcasts? Yeah, how much would it cost to hire somebody to take down this podcast? Probably very little. Yeah. Would it just be this? I feel like it would have to be like your whole site. Yeah, I'm they're sure. just going to take down the Seinfeld podcast. I feel like it would have I mean, to. They'd have, they'd have to, to go like they'd have to take down the whole site. Yeah, yeah. Go big or go home, real Joe Devol. If you're listening, take down the whole <laughs> post show recaps. I mean, I can't imagine it would cost more than five hundred bucks to hire somebody to do it. Well, now you're giving people ideas. Well, I'm just saying. I don't think it would be difficult. I, I don't think you would even need all that money. 
Yeah. Why are you, you know, now you're encouraging it almost. I'm not encouraging it. I'm just stating a fact, keeping it real. Yeah, oh boy. This is when keeping it real goes wrong. All right. So Elaine sees the montage of Elaine. (laughs) Akiva, what would you do if you walked into somebody's house and found a montage of you like that? I mean, obviously, like you run out, but there was, it would be very unlikely. I would assume I had like 14 strokes in a row. (laughs) 14 strokes in a row. It doesn't make any, why would, there aren't that many pictures of me in the whole world. (laughs) Well, that's why he took them with a telephoto lens. Yeah, nobody wants that of me. <laughs> okay, so here comes Joe Devola, and then he comes out of his dark room, and uh, she says that, oh, you scared me. He says, fear is our most primal emotion. I, I, the truth is, uh, if you want to say something positive about this episode, the actor who plays Joe Devola, uh, not, the, not the real Joe Devola, who's going to ignore me on Twitter now, uh, is, he's really good. Like, he's legitimately creepy, and everything he says, like, you believe that he's, you know, going to kill her. Yeah, and Elaine goes from being smitten with Joe Devola to incredibly creeped out and just, you know, she plays this well that she just wants to get away. And she's like, oh, the door was open. So I just came in and Joe, that's when Joe Devola says, I like to encourage intruders. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, where, where do you think he lives? Like, that's got to be like a really, it's like a really dingy looking apartment, right? It's rather dingy. So he's not like at the nicer part of town. He's not on like Central Park West. This is like uh, a hovel somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, he is a writer or a producer, somebody in the entertainment industry. So you, you would think he's got a decent place, right? I and mean, he's got a dark room. Right, he does have a dark room, which means, I guess, that he has multiple rooms. It's I not think like he has a, a bedroom, yeah. He probably like uh, just has like a bedroom that he turned into the dark room. Yeah, that's true. It's probably a one bedroom, and yeah. the bedroom is a dark room. He's got a weight uh, bench. He does have a weight bench. Uh, listen, he probably once had money, but listen, Jerry ratted him out to NBC, so he's fallen on hard times. Yeah, somebody put the kibosh on his money. On his career. Yeah. So he says basically that uh, his home is a shrine to you because he took these pictures with the telephoto lens. He has his dark room. He asks Elaine if she wants to go see the dark room. Uh, like on the list of pickup lines, that's that, you know, not going to it's not going to get you anywhere. You yeah. want to see the dark room. Yeah. And Elaine is so uncomfortable. She's just like, uh, I'm a day person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So. Uh, they asked, Elaine asked him the question, are you all right? Uh, and uh, she, that he gets like a very like existential, like, uh, who am I? Who am I supposed to be? Um, and anyway, uh, they talk about the opera and Joe Devola is stoked to see Pagliacci. He wants to know if she got the tickets and Elaine just remembered uh, that, uh, no, they're not going to be able to go. Yeah, they're not going. He also like bashes his head against the door here. Yeah, he like, does a bit of like physical quote unquote comedy, but it's like, it's not very funny. It's like dire uh, that he yeah. like closes the door with his head really hard. Uh, I mean, maybe that, ha- maybe that happens in the play and in, in the opera and I'm <laughs> not familiar with it. Well, Elaine's trying to get out and he wants to know if she knows the story of a Uh There's a clown who thinks his wife is unfaithful and uh, then he murders his wife. Now, are you, are you really afraid of clowns? Is that a thing? Yeah, I don't like them. You're like, if you saw a clown on the street, would you cross the street? I mean, I would not, if I had a choice of approach a clown or not approach a clown, I would not approach the clown. Like, I wouldn't wet my pants. You wouldn't wet your pants. If, if uh, your son says uh, for his next birthday, what do you want for your birthday? Clown at my birthday party. Beginning and end of list. Clown. Mm. Do you get him a clown? I would do my damnedest to uh, try to go in a different direction. Really? I would try to, yeah. Like, but what about a magician? 
Uh, no, clown. It's got to be clown. What about? Uh, do you do? You, hey, do you remember Susan from Seinfeld? <laughs> do you want uh, to? Do you want a Dress up as a clown. Do you want a ukulele player? Uh, as long as it's a clown playing the ukulele. Mm. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, do you know uh, Joe Davola? Do you remember all that? Oh yeah, he dressed up. Uh, he dressed up like a clown, right? I want <laughs> no. him to be a clown. Now, now the real Joe Davola. Real Joe Davola. <laughs> so no, I, I would. You know, I would try as hard as I could to like. If push came to shove, and it was like my son wasn't going to like me anymore if we didn't have a clown, I think I would. You know, give in at that point. But you know, I would try. You know, everything I could to not have the clown at my house. Yeah, I mean, I, you're probably a better parent than I am. I would just like say, you know, no. But it's the same thing, like with a dog. Like I, I, I have no problem with animals, but I'm like I have like a deep seated fear of like uh, a dog biting me. So if my kids wanted a dog, uh, I would, you know, I would go out of my way to, you know, to to you know not not get the dog. So I, I see the same thing with a clown, but I, I don't know. I don't get it. Like what the clown's not going to hurt you. Yeah. Okay. Um, they're creepy, Akiva. And why do they have to wear makeup on their face? You can't see what's really going on. Well, they wouldn't be a clown if they weren't wearing makeup. <laughs> well, why do they have to? Like, can't they be funny and not have to wear makeup? Well, that's just a comedian. <laughs> that's fine. Then what's wrong with that? Well, you, would you get if your son's birthday party? Was it going to be like one? You're going to get him a stand up comic. Well, you know what else I really don't <laughs> like? Why do they have to spray you with stuff? Yeah, I mean, they should be the ones getting sprayed, right? Like, yeah. they should be the butt of the jokes. Yeah, they have to, like, sp you know, spray that, like, uh, disgusting silly string on you or... Oh, yeah, I don't like the silly oh, string. Oh, I don't like that. It's not that silly. Just get, just get your kid a pinata. I feel like everyone likes pinatas. Yeah. They're not that funny. I've never once seen a clown do anything. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm laughing so much. Well, that's Jerry's. I think that was in Jerry's stand-up he told on Letterman that, like, nobody likes... And this actually holds up, like... Nobody likes the circus like the kid, kids are go, kids go and they assume their parents like the circus and parents go thinking their kids are going to like it. And everyone just assumes the other person likes it. But really, deep down, no one likes the circus. Yeah, it's not that funny. The circus funny. isn't funny at all. No, it's sad, especially now there's no elephants. So like there's nothing. It's just clowns. Yeah, now it's sad. Now it's really sad. Um, what might be interesting, though, if you could have the clowns and the dangerous animals together. Now I think you've created a compelling spectacle. Well, you just want you just want the you know the lions to get at the clown. Let's switch jobs for a day. Let's see <laughs> let let's see the clowns work work with the lions. Let's see the lion tamers you know juggle. What about the cars trick? Like a lot of people in one car. You don't like that? I mean, have I not seen it before? Well, okay, but the first, I mean, like it's something. Are you that impressed? No, I mean, but I hate. I, I don't like clowns either. I'm just not afraid of them. I, again, I they make me uncomfortable. That's probably a better way to say it. Okay. I don't like them. And they don't like me. I keep them. But I, don't, I, I think they're fine with you. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's all in your head. All right. So Elaine is being uh, threatened by the menacing Joe Davola. She ends up reaching into her purse. And what we believe to be that she maces uh, him in the face. We learn later that it's Cherry Banaka. Um, how does this scene play for you, Akiva? I mean, so she gets like an ovation afterwards. It is way over the top. Like we are led to believe there's no lightness. To It's not just like an attack. It's personal. Uh, he's going to kill her. Like this would happen on Law and Order SVU maybe, but this would not happen on a sitcom nowadays. And if it was funnier, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I'm not offended by it, but I don't think in 2015 this flies. 
Yeah, I think it would have been better if they could have somehow established that Elaine had Cherry Banaka in the first scene. Well, it was mentioned last episode in some context, I think, the Banaka, right? Did they? I think it was. Now all these episodes blend together, but I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. Um, you know, I will. we'd have to go, go back and, uh, and confirm that. But I almost feel like if they would have established the Banaka of like, you know, it was on the table in Jerry's house. And she's like, oh, Banaka. Like, oh, I hate Cherry. Gonna take it. And I think that that would have been, to me, funnier. Because we don't know it's not Mace. Um, and I didn't find it to be a funny thing to happen to have Elaine, like, be threatened that she's going to be murdered and her Mace a attacker in the face. Like, I just didn't think that that was a... It's, it's To me, that's not Seinfeld. I agree. Right. You, you, right. You should, there should have been a setup for Banaka again. Like this episode was too, um, like, I, I don't want to say it should have been a two parter cause it should have maybe been a zero parter, but I think, uh, you know, they tried to do too much and they ended up not succeeding. And you're right. They do need to set up the joke there with like, you can't think she's macing him. It's not funny. Um, yeah, cause it might be funny if she Banaka's a guy in the face. And then later we find out that it wasn't Mace. It was Banaka. Then, we like I feel differently about that, but when I'm thinking that she's macing a guy in the face, like I'm worried for Elaine, um, and like it's not a a funny moment. If I, if I see that she's like sprays Banaka in his eyes, then I think that there that is a funny moment. It it would be funnier, but funnier. she's still like she's still you know there were let's just say if this aired in 2015, Rob, I feel like the next week we would have had to do a roundtable episode, you know, roundtable discussion about this. Right, episode. <laughs> right. Because if Elaine doesn't Banaka Joe Devola, like this is like turning into the scene in uh, Too Many Cooks where the guy is like chasing uh, the girl around around the set. You know what I mean? Was that a controversial scene? <laughs> I think that was one of the most controversial scenes from uh, oh, Too Many Cooks. One of the most? <laughs> yeah, this doesn't end well for Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Okay. So let's go to Jerry. Uh, he's on the phone with the police and he's in the tuxedo. Police can't do anything. Here comes George in the tiny tuxedo. Yeah, I do like, you know, George, obviously, like he rented this, right? No, I think. It's, no, it's, it's, he, or is he it the same it. tuxedo from six years ago? Yeah, because if he rented it, it wouldn't make any sense that he right. wore the same one in the other. Yeah. So he owns a tuxedo. Look at George. Yeah, but he's never right. But he's not getting another one. Right. So this is, you know, he's, he's, he's wearing this or he's not. I, I mean, I, I think you do have to wear fancy clothes to the opera, right? Well, apparently you don't have to because Kramer doesn't. Yeah, but Kramer, the rules of society don't apply to Kramer. <laughs> so uh, I like when Jerry like tugs at George's uh, tuxedos is a little skimpy now. And uh, he says that he hasn't worn it since he went to this wedding where he gave the bad toast. Yeah. Now, if you were having a wedding and the toast was between Jerry and George, I think you have to go with uh, with Jerry. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess so. But maybe the guy was like, you know, George's college roommate or something like that. What if he just knew George a lot better? Yeah, it's possible. Listen, Bobby Layton, good friend of George. Yeah. And so I don't think we hear about Bobby Layton again after this episode. Probably not. George gave such a bad toast that uh, there were obscenities in the toast. Have you ever heard a really bad toast, Akiva? I've heard bad, uh, like we do this thing where um, we have like a, like, I guess it's kind of like a rehearsal dinner, but it's like more of a, more formal and there's like people there and it's like more of a, it's not like a religious ceremony, but it's just like custom. And there I've heard some real bad ones. Like our, our friend was from Staten Island and it was right after the Staten Island ferry crash. It was like a year afterwards. 
And the guy like brought it up in uh oh, I just I, I'm 99% sure uh, he listens. I won't say his name. So okay. I apologize that I'm telling you. I won't say his name. But um, uh, he brought it up. And I remember that was the like... Bad that, Toaster that brought, listens? Yeah, the Bad Toaster, I believe he... Uh, according to my mom, he listens to the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Could we get him as a guest on the podcast? Oh, we could get him, yeah, to do, a bad, to do a bad toast? He could give us a toast before our 50th episode next <laughs> week. <Yeah. laughs> wow. I would love a bad toast before. Could we get him to even record it on voicemail? Uh, yes. If he listens, uh, if you're listening, uh, contact me, JK. And, uh, Wait, uh, why are you, why are you saying, uh, are you just kidding? No, no, no. That's it. Those are his initials. Oh, <laughs> is it, it's Jordan Kalish. It's not a Jordan Kalish. It's Jordan Kalish. No, I don't, uh, no, it's, <laughs> no, it's not. Jordan. <laughs> he listens too. I bet he could give bad. The thoughts. good thing, Rob, is uh, we're in scene three of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, okay, survivors only in like an hour. So yeah. We, we all right. All right. Sorry. Go. Okay. <laughs> no, listen. I'm I'm fine. I I could do this. My life is fine. I could do this all day. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, maybe we have a bad toast uh, for next week. Anyway, so everybody's like opening the door and like uh, like acting like it's unlocked, but they're getting hurt. Kramer like hits his head on the door. Again, maybe another concussion uh, because the doors are locked because of Joe DiVola. Uh, yeah, I think oh, you like, is this more head trauma? Is that what you're think thinking? So. I think it's a recurring thing. I think we're yeah, going to have, there's going to be a lawsuit by season. Jackie Childs is going to have a big case on his hands. Okay. Anyway, so they bring in Kramer and he is dressed very casual and uh, Jerry calls him Ozzy Nelson. Yeah, I just wrote down who in big letters. <laughs> I, I think that I want to say that's probably part of Ozzy and Harriet. It was that was a TV show. <laughs> you know, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, is that so, like a is that like a 50s thing? I think so. I think so. But what? But I don't even get the joke. Like, because he's dressed casually. So, like, did Ozzy Nelson Nelson dress like sensibly and casually? Like the joke. Like, there's almost no way that joke makes sense, right. even though I don't know who Ozzy Nelson is. So Ozzy Nelson uh, was an American band leader, actor, and television director and producer. He originated and started in The Adventures of Ozzy and Harriet, a radio and long-running television series with his wife, Harriet, and his two sons, David and Ricky Nelson. What's he doing today, Ozzy Nelson? Well, he died in 1975. Oh, okay, fine. That's fine. <laughs> so he is, on, he is on the alternate side. Yes, for a very long time. Not a fun fact. Okay, so, uh, but I guess that he was, because Kramer, because Kramer's not even wearing his regular clothes. He's like uh, wearing like a, like a very, you know, conservative uh, sweater. Yeah, this is his idea of fancy. I, I also like, like he turns on uh, Pagliacci. I keep pronouncing it Pagliacci. wrong. Pagliacci. He keeps pronouncing, he turns on Pagliacci and Jerry's like, turn that crap off. Mm -hmm. Not without knowing that that's like the music he's about to go, you know, pay <laughs> $250 to go hear. Yeah. Okay. So they're talking about the tickets and what they want to do is because uh, they're who, now whose tickets, who's out at this point that we're going to, we, we have Susan's ticket and then also uh, Joe Davola's ticket. So we have two extra tickets. So that's where the two tickets. Well, Joe Davola, does, oh, right. Joe Davola has a ticket, but then now he's not going because of murder. Right. And then uh, Susan can't go because she has to pick up her friend. Another thing that's very poorly explained in this episode. Is that Susan has to go pick up her friend? There should be like a better reason why, you know. Okay, well, she has to go pick up her friend, supposedly. So they come up to the conclusion that they could scalp the tickets. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it is funny. I mean, having I, I think it ended up 
uh, being done better in Curb Your Enthusiasm. What did they scalp tickets for in Curb Your Enthusiasm? The or High was, Holiday Yes, tickets. yes, that's what I remember. I don't uh, remember if it was Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur, but it was one of them. Yeah, because I think that th- that's more absurd, right? That you would that somebody would scalp tickets for the religious services as opposed to you know an actual show. That's a like that you could almost imagine somebody scalping tickets to an opera way more than you know high holiday tickets. Yeah, it's possible that like you know on StubHub you could get opera tickets. Yeah, so that's not that out of the realm of possibility. No, it's funny the way that they're doing it of like they're acting like scalpers outside of a baseball game. But um, the concept is not that crazy to have aftermarket tickets for an opera. Right. But scalping was like way more uh, like black markety in 1992 than now where the it's internet. legal. Just right now it's legal, except like within X number of feet of the stadium. If this was 2015, what would they do? They would go on StubHub to do this, not a paid product placement or, or, um, you know, Craigslist also Craigslist. not a paid product placement. Um, you know, you could, you could post it anywhere. You could you post it on your Facebook and somebody will, but that's really what, uh, you know, now like people just post their tickets on uh, Facebook and okay. people buy them. But oh. now you're, then you're like selling them not to a murderer. You're not like showing up at crazy Joe DeVos house and he's killing you or, or what do you say you sold on Craigslist and like some crazy person came to your house for a dollar? Oh, uh, a million things. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> no. It, well, the people come to my house for free stuff. Oh, that's right. For the free stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, those are probably, you know. Those are the those I haven't even really been on Craigslist people. in like six or seven years. I feel like I feel like its days are are numbered, no? Yeah. No, bigger than ever. Really? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. What what like what are people buying on Craigslist? All right, whatever. Oh, <laughs> uh, you'd be surprised, Akiva. Lot, lots of stuff. Bigger than ever, I think, Craigslist. All right. So after the decision to uh scalp the tickets, we go to Jerry and Elaine that are online to get into the opera. You know, we find out that the mace was actually Cherry Banaka. Uh, and Jerry finds out that Cherry Banaka would be great. Now, when did Banaka come out? Oh, I don't know. Jerry's talking about uh, like it's a recent thing. You think it was? I, I, I do remember Banaka being a big deal, um, you know, when I was younger. Like, oh, you know, put some, you know, spray some Banaka because you're going out with uh, some girl later. Whoa. Like, you don't remember kids saying that when you were younger? No, well, not. I don't remember anybody I mean, saying anything. I nobody said it to me, obviously, <laughs> but I feel like people, people said that to other people. I don't know. Uh, it says, according to Wikipedia, Banaka was launched in 1951 and 52 as a toothpaste brand, uh, Banaka Top. And then I'm not sure exactly uh, when they came out with the spray, but... Um, I don't know. I get, apparently, according to this, it seems like the, it just came out and then they came out with Cherry a year later. Yeah, which I, I don't know. Jerry's business savvy isn't great. Like that does make sense to come out with the regular and then add on the regular because mm-hmm. if you start with Cherry, nobody's buying the regular second. Well, why do you want to smell like Cherry? I mean, it's better than nothing. I guess it's better than nothing. But I mean, if I'm going to spray uh, like, oh, you have bad breath uh, to try this spray. Why wouldn't you want them? Why wouldn't you want the mint? What, what, what is it like? Oh, now I smell like bad breath and cherries. Do you think this was pre-flossing? Like people didn't really floss that much back then. And now they would just floss. Is that what it is? is that I have no cross idea. This off, cross this off the list of things. Um, so Jerry is like flipping this uh, quarter like Two-Face uh, over and over again. And there's this really crazy scene where the guy like picks up the quarter and tries to say that it's his. Um, what is going on here with the quarter guy? 
I have no idea. And by the way, this scene is not bad, but again, because there were scenes that explained the plot that weren't aired, like this scene should obviously have been taken out. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, I enjoyed it. It was just so wacky that the guy's like, no, that's my quarter. No, it's mine. Uh, and, he's, and Jerry's like, I don't care about money. And he takes a dollar bill and he rips it in half. The guy's like, well, I don't care about money. And then he takes a dollar bill and, and rips it in half. And uh, the guy is like, why don't you get out of here? And Jerry's like, well, I was standing here. And the guy's like, he got nothing. He just walks away. And Jerry's talking about how like he likes this crowd because he feels tough at the opera crowd. Yeah, no, it's like establishing that like the opera is whatever. I, it is funny, but it, it has no bearing on anything. Yeah, I think it's funny. You know, I, I would like more of this stuff. Like this is to me, this is the show about nothing as opposed to, you know, having the lives threatened by the sadistic uh, Joe Davola who wants to kill people. Yeah, I mean, I think we're I think we're going back to nothing next week. I think this is just a break. Uh, you know, this is almost and like that's just uh, my personal preference. Yeah, there's some people I'm, I'm sure Kiva. Did anybody say that the opera was their favorite episode? Of course. Uh, <laughs> Ashley Nicole at Geeks and Cleats. My personal favorite episode of Seinfeld is the opera episode with Crazy Joe Davola. <laughs> so look, it's I also Googled a worst episode and somebody said uh, without question, the opera is the worst. It's episode. not the worst episode. It's not the best episode. It's not my personal uh cup of <laughs> was it morning Tanaka. no what was what's the tea that uh jerry drank uh morning thunder morning thunder yes. something thunder yes all right so cut to crazy joe Devola uh kicking three guys ass in the park <laughs> let's just cut, let's just cut that <laughs> how about that akiva i mean this is very cartoony yeah i mean he's doing like roundhouse like crazy kicks yeah, I mean, maybe that's why Kramer goes to uh, learn, you know, uh, karate later because he's yeah. worried he's going to get kicked in the face by Crazy Joe. Uh, this is also why he got kicked in the head, right? This actually, like, plays out from the earlier scene, like, that he is a guy who kicks people in the head. Yeah, well, he's a black belt, I believe, in karate. Uh, yeah, don't mess with Crazy Joe. <laughs> don't mess with CJD. So now we cut back to Kramer, who is trying to scout the tickets. And a guy wants to give Kramer and George 500 for the pair. Uh, yeah. Do we know what they actually cost? What the face think, of the tickets were? I don't know what the face is. I know they got them for a hundred. I don't they, know. If right. They got them. They might have gotten a deal. They might have gotten a deal, but they paid a hundred. So this would be a total of three hundred dollars profit if they took this. George says, "Take the deal." Kramer's like, "No, he wants a thousand. Yeah, I think uh, you know it's it's a buyer's market because the play's about to start, and they're the only you know. It's not like uh, these people are begging to you know are desperate to go to this opera. Yeah, that's right. Keith, have you ever bought scalp tickets? Sure. Yes. Uh, how that outside out? Shea Stadium many times. Yes, and it worked out well, good. Well, like I'll go with bad tickets, and then like if the Mets were bad, uh, you know, I'll buy um, good ones. But I'll, a lot of like I'll make the person take me in. Um, but I've also sold I've also sold scalp tickets. Uh, I sold them to a cop once. That was scary. Oh no! What happened? No. Um, I posted uh, Mets playoff tickets. I had two extras. And I, I, uh, you know, I said, come to, I was still living in my parents' house. I said, come to my house. And like a police car showed up. I'm like, oh no, I'm going to jail. Like, I'm not a minor anymore. Like, uh, oh, so you know, the I got. The guy that bought this, this scalp tickets was a cop? Yeah. So he, he shows up, he knocks on my door. He's like a police officer, like a Nassau County police officer in his cop car. Buying- Open up. <laughs> Give me the Mets tickets. And so then he's like, all right, listen, if you have any more for game four, uh, just like, let me, let me know. And I'm you know, and I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be happy to buy them for me and my buddy. And I'm like, Oh no, no, no. I like, I don't, I don't do that. Like I just happened to have two extra cause my friends couldn't come. And he's like, Oh sure. He didn't believe me. 
Yeah. So now, is uh, it illegal you know, to to do what you what you did? Like, I feel like is it scalping if it's not right outside the stadium? I think there's like a back then. Now it's legal. Back then, I think there was a very small percentage over the face value you're allowed to sell it for. So it was what we were doing was definitely legal because we were selling it for way over face. <laughs> I, I went to I went to I remember all four games for ten dollars. I made you know I I you know I made all my money back on. So we were definitely making a lot of money off those tickets. Yeah. Um. I definitely uh, at least one time I remember uh, a friend of mine uh, and I we bought like tickets like that like some guy uh, just like drove up that was like in like like a town car that like was like he just like tried to get like I don't know if he got like good tickets like as a tip or something like that and he just like was just trying to unload them uh, and we bought them in the parking lot of the uh, of the stadium and, and sat like behind like the visitors dugout they had really good seats. Yeah, actually, I, I remember for that, it was uh, it was the Mets Cardinals playoffs in 2006. And to tie it into the podcast, Amir, who writes into the, 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 the show every week, I had never met him before. And our, when our friend canceled, we had a blind date. It was just the two of us. We went together. I remember it was like, you know, I'd never met him before. We're just going. It's like his first date was to a Met game. Wow. And, and then he's an e- and then he went on to become a listener of the podcast and email us. Yeah, well, we didn't see each other between then and now, and then now he's a listener. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What a story. What a story. <laughs> All right. So we get to the point where you know George is saying take the money. Kramer doesn't want to, and uh, you know George says, uh, "What's wrong with you? This is not a Metallica concert." Uh, what do you think of that line? Yeah, it, it was very jarring. Like so many pop culture references between. Uh, What's his What's his name? Who died in nineteen seventy five? Ozzy Nelson, Metallica. Like you don't expect. I, like I forgot there's a Metallica reference in Seinfeld and Nick at Night, which is like in now very dated and nobody knows what Nick at Night is. Yeah. Also, Taxi. By the way, Taxi was a very good Nick at Night show. Um, but you know, it's just weird. Like you don't. I don't know. It's jarring to hear Metallica yeah. mention. I feel like it's early for a Metallica mention in nineteen ninety two. Yeah, look at them. Good job. No, you know what? They they uh, had a lot of albums in the eighties. Like I think people think of them as a nineties band, but they had like four albums in the 80s. Okay. All right. So we get to see a little bit of Jerry and Elaine talking about, hey, there's Bobby Layton's father-in-law. Yeah, Mr. Reichman. Yes, uh, there he is. And so, oh, the guy that George made the curse toast. Uh, and so they end up, Jerry says like, oh, crazy Joe Davola. And they end up getting into the whole thing of, wait, I never told you his name. How do you know his name? And they realize that it's the same guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I do like the way they reveal this. At least, you know, they, they did a good job here. <laughs> yeah. And they completely freak out. Yeah. All right. And then a clown comes and interrupts Jerry and Elaine, but it's not that clown. But we cut back to now. Here's George. He's got this deal going on with a guy. Uh, George will later call him Harry Fong. Uh, since we don't know his name, uh, we'll go with Harry Fong. Yeah, even though that's clearly not his name. It's clearly not his name, but that is the fake name that George gives him later. And so uh, George is trying to get uh, $300 for one ticket from Harry Fong. Yeah, Mr. Reichman's very upset that there's, uh, you know, there's scalpers. He even says, like, I told them they should add more security. Like, Mr. Reichman is telling the opera what to do? Like, he's that big of a big shot? Yes, well, he gave George a headlock uh, to take him out of the thing. It was funny in the earlier scene that George, like, he didn't have to do that. He could have just asked me to leave. He didn't have to get me in a headlock. Um, <laughs> but it's funny that he, like, comes and taps George on the shoulder. And George says to him, uh, would you buzz off? I got something cooking over here. Uh, and then he sees that it's Mr. Reichman. Yeah, that was a good line. Uh, and also to explain what happens later now, um, Harry Fong tells George, uh, you split your pants, by the way. 
And that's how George gets out of going to the play, which is completely not explained. Ah. Uh, but but it, uh, George splits his pants. So when Susan comes up and says, let's go, George's like, I can't. I split my pants. It's too embarrassing. I'll meet you afterwards at, uh, at Monk's. So, uh, and that's why Susan sits next to Harry Fong. It, it all makes sense. Post-opera monks. Yeah, because he said like, and then I'll just hear what happens in English instead of Italian. Good. All right. So that makes sense. Yeah, but they could have explained that in the show. <laughs> yeah. That's like the entire end of the episode. All right. So Jerry and Elaine, they start talking to this uh, beggar clown. I don't really know what he wants. He wants like a donation. And uh, Jerry's like, oh, I gave my change to that guy. That guy took my quarter. And the guy's like, look, you just tell me no. You don't have to be a jerk about it. It's like, no, I seriously did. And the guy goes on like a rant about like, you know, hey, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a person. Who do you think you are? And uh, he storms off. Uh, Jerry calls that guy one angry clown. Yeah, it's weird. And then Mrs. Reichman comes out of nowhere and says they need a doctor. What do they need a doctor for? I guess he's like, he was at, I don't know. It's not explained. I guess like he's an George old man. him up? I mean, she said like she she didn't say like watch your heart when he was when he was about to beat George up, right? He said watch your like hairpiece or something. Yeah. All right. We see a little bit of Jerry stand up. He talks about the worst part about being a clown is that people are always like, "Who's that clown? I'm not working with that clown." Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I guess clown is is that like an appropriate term now, or like the clowns against this? Is this like a, a hate a hate term for what clowns? Would you call them a a sir a. Probably you would call them something like uh, like a laughter inducer. Is that is, what, what would be the politically correct name for a clown? Yeah, I don't. I don't mean I don't know. Like if somebody has a good one, I guess let us know. Mm, okay, let us. Yeah, let us know. I think you'd be some sort of like, um, you know, a, a laughing performer or something like that. Maybe not a uh, comedic performer. I'm not sure. Well, I'm sure. Should we just ban clowns and we don't have to worry about this anymore? <laughs> I, I hey, I'd be okay with that. But then you're gonna get the whole clown lobby coming after you, and I don't want. Is, is there a clown lobby? It's gotta be. You think they have like lobbyists? Do the do, are the clown lobbyist clowns like? Do they show up in clown makeup at on like the you know the the, the steps of uh, DC? I would think so. I would think that there's probably a big. You know, you you want to get like you know two thousand like clowns picketing outside your house yeah but like the oil lobbyists aren't like people in like oil outfits i don't know if there's such a thing as oil outfits by the way you think that the clowns would show up for the protest not dressed as clowns no the clowns would show up for the protest but the lobbyists like the people who are having meetings with like senators and con and and uh yeah and but those guys wear suits anyway those guys aren't a yeah, but, uh, like the oil like field workers Right, that's what I'm saying. So, like, if the do the lo are the lobbyists like former clowns? I think they're the people that probably are the uh, labor representatives, like for the circus and stuff like that. Um, I think they're probably trying to, like, you know, argue like you know, uh, circus laws and stuff like that. So that's probably their. Are lobby. there are, are there circus laws? I think there's probably got to be for the animals. Obviously, there'll have to be a lot of circus laws because, like, there's like animal cruelty and they. Mm -hmm. But I I also like. I don't know with the, I don't know. Well, they got to fight plan. like safety legislation of like people are always trying to do like only, you know, 17 people can uh, be in a car at once. Oh, really? The, and are they, do they want there to be less because, you know, they're like, they don't want to get hurt or they like, they want to entertain people. So they want to have more than 17. I think people. they want to have more. Really? Yeah. So they're against, they're like football players being against the concussions. Right. I, that's what I think. I feel like, Hey, let us, let us play. Let us do our thing. Oh, what a bunch of clowns. You do you. We're going to do us. 
I, I mean, I, don't, I, I have a lot of questions about clowns. Mm-hmm. I think so. Well, I'm good not knowing. Yeah, I, I don't. If you're a clown, don't write in. Rob will get scared. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so uh, we go back to uh, Joe Davola, who is in the clown makeup. He comes up to Kramer and uh, trying to buy the tickets from Kramer, and uh, Kramer talks about how he's scared of clowns. Uh, yeah, I mean, so the, here's the whole point. Kramer definitely was the spearhead for coming to this opera. Yeah. But he's afraid of clowns. It's an opera about clowns. And again, in the deleted scene, Kramer is snoring and bobbing his head back and forth during the opera. Oh, the deleted scenes are during Pagliacci? Well, one of them is Kramer sleeping during Pagliacci. Does Joe Davola show up? Yeah, well, we see Joe Davola at, at the end, right? We see the... We, oh, we, we, we just see like that he's moving, that he's moving in. Oh, no, we don't. You're right. You're right. We don't see anything. Yes. About Joe in that scene, they have the two clowns sitting next to them. Yes. So Joe Devola does show up there at the end of the episode. Yeah, it's like Harry Fong, Susan, clown, clown, Jerry, Elaine in one <laughs> the row. The other clown? The other clown is somehow in the middle. How of did him. he yes. get a ticket? I have no idea. That's not again. There's a lot of plot holes. Whose in this ticket episode. did he get? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Harry Fong flipped his ticket. And because another thing, Harry Fong only ends up paying, and I know we haven't gotten to that, but you know, Lord knows, one seventy five. Harry Fong pays one seventy five, but it doesn't make sense, right? Because we know that the last price they agreed on was two fifty. Yeah. So anyway, in the deleted scene, you also see George counting his money and realizing he got stiffed by Harry Fong, seventy five <laughs> bucks. Okay. Uh, could the other clown have gotten Bo- uh, Bobby Layton's father in law's ticket? Oh, that's good. Like maybe he went to the uh, we'll never know. We don't know what happens to uh, Mr. Reichman, Bobby Layton's father-in-law. And if there is like a Seinfeld sequel, which I think is the first question we have to ask Jerry when we have him on, because I'm sure he would love that question. Yeah, if they're going to do a, a sequel to Seinfeld. Yeah. Uh, if there is, I don't think he's going to be able to show up. Yeah. Jerry, in the episode, the opera, in one of the deleted scenes, uh, the people sitting in the row are Susan, Harry Fong, <laughs> Elaine, Jerry, then the angry street performer clown and Joe Devola. Where did the angry street performer's ticket come from? <laughs> it's like you, 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 you're going to hear a ring, like a dial tone by like the fourth <laughs> word of that question. Yeah. I, I do think it would be great. Like if we ever won like some charity auction, like ask Jerry five questions. <laughs> that's fine. Like, if we, we do that, we're go, not asking normal we should, questions. Yeah, we, we should just questions. go for it. We should just go for it. <laughs> but I do think like someone has an obligation to get these answers. Like one day, Larry and Jerry won't be here. And like, we'll never know. Right. Right. I mean, even Larry, like Larry Charles wrote this episode and we're not going to get him probably. But, you know, he could probably answer some of this. Yes, I think so. We'll come up with our list of uh, of questions of uh, uh, <laughs> is Uncle Leo Still married later on in the series. <laughs> well, why does Jerry have a brother in episode yeah. season two, episode three? And it's never mentioned again. Well, how come in the earlier episodes, Jerry's apartment was on the third floor, uh, <laughs> but then it's in on the fifth floor later. Why? Why? Why is that? You guys want to go back now and CGI that stuff? <laughs> Will that be fixed on Netflix? Or on Hulu? Yeah, like on Hulu, I will be very upset on Hulu. If all these plot holes have not been fixed, like, you're going to have at least one new episode on Hulu, guys, right? All right. Uh, so anyway, we end up with uh, Jerry and Elaine are uh, trying to figure out what they're, what they're going to do, uh, that they're going to realize that they're going to miss the overture. And then Jerry sings like a whole song. Yeah, I didn't get this could have been cut also. Yeah. 
And so, you know, all of a sudden they're not that afraid of uh, Joe Davola spotting them. I mean, we've already established that Joe Davola has a telephoto lens and is spying on Elaine. Now they're out in public. Uh, they don't seem very concerned either. Yeah, I mean, I, they are, but they are. They're nervous that that uh, CJD is around the bend somewhere. Yeah, like Jerry's living in fear of Joe Devol at this point. Also, if Kramer was that scared of clowns, would he have scalped a ticket to sit next to him at the opera to one of the clowns? Listen, does Kramer hate clowns more than he loves money? I don't think so. And then been able to fall asleep and not just been terrified the entire That's time. That's true. That's true. But also, he's like trapped between clowns. So, like, what's he going to do? There's clowns on the stage. There's clowns to his left. I, and, you know, he's he's trapped. What's he? He can't get out in the yeah. middle of the show. Has crazy Joe Davola forgiven Kramer after he kicked him in the head? And then, uh, I mean, he's going to put the kibosh on Jerry. He doesn't do anything here. All Kramer did was not invite him to a party. And he got kicked in the head and got a concussion. But then he sits G next to Kramer the entire opera and doesn't do anything to him. I mean, first of all, he's crazy. Like, we're not we're expecting logic from this crazy person who's who's pretend, by the way. And. Um, I think um, Jerry cost him his career. Like now he lives in a in a hovel, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, he's going to be way more mad at Jerry. And then Elaine, I'm not sure why, but he wants to murder her. So like that is the tears are one is Kramer, two higher up is Jerry and three is Elaine. That's murder. Yeah. Okay. Just to go back to Jerry and Elaine. So after the Bugs Bunny song, then uh, here comes Joe Davola in the clown outfit. And... Uh, Elaine smells cherry. She's got quite the nose. Like he didn't take a shower before he uh, before he showed up at the opera because I'm I sure he's that. supposed to. I buy that. Yeah, I guess Crazy Joe Davola doesn't take a shower. Jerry takes a shower. CJD, no shower. Okay. So Elaine and Jerry are going to realize that it's Joe Davola and they sort of like, you know, uh, cut to, I don't know how they get, then they, the next time we see them, they're at like the door, like, hey, let us in, let us in. But Joe Davola doesn't follow them. Like how do they, they, how do they get away from Joe Davola? Well, Joe Davola doesn't have a ticket yet, right? So he's got to go buy a ticket to get in to keep, keep torturing them. That, didn't he already buy the scalp ticket from Kramer? Are you saying that he goes back to Kramer and says like, hey, did you still? Oh, have no, you're right. Yeah, yeah, because that scene just happened, even though we don't see him actually buying it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's, uh, you know, I don't know, doing a weird thing, going to beat somebody up in the park quickly. Yeah. Okay. So then we're going to have uh, George is going to be joined by Susan after he's on the verge of closing this $250 scalp ticket deal. Yeah. And again, the, you know, the scene happens, which most of it does not happen on camera, but he ends up selling it for $250 or he thinks and it ends up being $175 and Susan ends up going in without him. But none of this is really explained in the episode. Yeah. I thought it was a great moment, though, when um, Susan comes up and he, George is about to close the deal and he has the opportunity. Do I take the money? Or do I take the ticket back? And he pushes the ticket down in Harry Fong's uh, jacket pocket and takes the money. He's like, hey. <laughs> I would not say this is the worst scenario where George's cheapness affects Susan, but it's up there. <laughs> it's, it's not great. <laughs> it's not great. All right. So then uh, Susan is like, she's here to go to the opera. And, uh, you know, George, you wonder how he's going to handle this. I guess we don't find out until the deleted scenes. No, but uh, yeah, he he uh, he's fine. Like George comes out ahead. He gets the 175. Okay. So then we go back to Jerry and Elaine trying to get into the opera. And they're like, hey, let us in. A crazy clown is after us. And the guy who is pretty funny, this ticket uh, taker, uh, he says, do you have a ticket? Uh, he won't let them in. Yeah, but they tell him the truth that a, a crazed clown is out to murder them. And he's like, a crazed clown? That's rich. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, tell me what I haven't heard before. Well, do you think the ticket taker knows the story of uh, Pagliacci? Oh, that's possible. I would think he knows the story of Pagliacci. Yeah, you mean he, he like, he's got it, but he doesn't, I mean, maybe he does. I don't know. Is he like a big opera fan and that's why he's a ticket taker there? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe Has he been there for rehearsals? It doesn't matter. They're an Italian. He either like he's got to know he's got to ask some questions. <laughs> All right. So here comes Kramer. He has the tickets. They get everybody in. No sign of Crazy Joe Duvall. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, you know, they're talking about the, the, the great cast of the show. Right. Uh, Who is it? A Pavarotti and and uh, and somebody's Netta. And then Elaine realizes that she was Netta in uh, in uh, Crazy Joe Duvall's allegory and he was going to murder her. Yeah. I mean, Elaine only realized that now. I think she realized like he was really dangerous, but now he realizes like, oh yeah, like because she dies in the story. He called me Netta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't make sense, right? She should have known already that he was going to kill her. She should have known. Uh, so Susan shows up. She says George couldn't make it because he was uncomfortable. Jerry gets pissed. Uh, here's Harry Fong, who I don't know if this was like intentional or not that the the sets were were really cheap, but like Harry Fong is like leaning back and like the weight of Harry Fong is like tilting the entire row of seats backwards. Yeah, it was pretty, I'm sure it was intentional, but it was pretty funny. It was very funny. Um, and then uh, we see all everybody together and the opera starts and that's the end of the episode. Um, yeah, I think, uh, well, yeah, he gives stand up, but it's not really worth our time. Yes. Uh, there are just so many holes. Like, why does Susan come in and say George was uncomfortable? What does that even mean? If you don't know, he split his pants. I don't know. Well, it's a callback to earlier in the episode where um, George says I'm uncomfortable and Jerry says, do I think you think I'm comfortable? Oh, so you mean they're just saying just the general idea of him wearing a tux was uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, that's that's like the worst way to could you imagine? Because sitting in an opera like uh, physically is the same thing as sitting in a movie where you're like in casual clothing and you're eating milk duds. I think. Um, I think at the opera, first of all, there's no like uh, vendors at the opera. Is there? Can you eat like popcorn at the opera? I would think that there's, a, you, you could probably get booze. Do they have classy foods maybe? I think you have classy food. What, what would be a classy food? Uh, brie. You think it's like a bunch of cheese and then. I don't know if it's, that might get, uh, not smell great. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm I mean, sure. better than cherry banaka. <laughs> probably. Um, I don't know if there's popcorn. Um, I doubt it would have to be like French classy popcorn. <laughs> like what? Like white cheddar? I have no idea. What's classy pop? But what's like, I don't know. What do they have? Like uh, what's classy food? They have like hors d'oeuvres being passed around. Um, I don't know if you pass around an hors d'oeuvre. I think you have to pay for it. I would love that. By the way, hors d'oeuvres like a really underrated. Mm. Like, you know, you go to a wedding and like, I'll, st- you know what I do? I'll like figure out like where the kitchen is, like where the people are coming out of with the hors d'oeuvres. And I'll kind of like set up shop there so I could get like pounce right away. Yeah. I got a lot of strategy for eating at weddings. <laughs> All right. Let's let's get to the rankings here, Akiva. Because uh, we this, this might be the longest podcast we've done about a single episode of the show. I know some of our some of our two parters uh, rivaled this episode in terms of runtime, but this might be the longest in terms of just the twenty-two minute traditional Seinfeld episode. Yeah, well, let me stretch it out for another second before I even ask. Dominic Cernaz emailed, and he wanted to know. He, so last week, I, I uh, ranked the Bubble Boy 10th, right? Yes. He said, what if you, for the next you know episodes one through nine in my rankings, if I just say they're top nine and I don't say what their number is, and at the end I say, like, what's one, what's two, what's three, is that a good idea or no? Yeah, I think it's fun. Uh, unless, I people, do that. unless people revolt and say, uh, no way, Akiva. Then I say, let's go for it. Okay, fine. So, because, you know, 
we do have a contest coming up soon, so that may or may not come into play soon. Yes. Um, okay, fine. So this episode, uh, again, a lot of plot holes. It's not boring. I'll give it that. But it's pretty crazy. And I have this uh, all the way down, the worst episode of season four, uh, so far at least, at 143. 143. I feel like that might be a little low on it. I mean, it was not my favorite. It, it's funnier than a lot of the episodes that it, it's lost to. But I, I, we, there's just now that we've gone over this and, you know, when you're watching it like for fun and not doing like Talmudic analysis like we've been doing for the last yeah. four hours, um, it really doesn't add up a lot of it. So, yeah, I, you know, we got the funniest we, part for you. What was the, the best, uh, the biggest laugh the, in the, of the episode? I mean, the best line in the episode? Laugh. The best laugh. I mean, there aren't a ton of laughs. Like, well, I mean, what would you say? The, I mean, the kaibosh stuff? Like, what, what would you say is, like, the, is the funniest part? I, I might say it might be... I, when he rips up the money, I guess. Yeah, I think that might be the best. And you were saying to cut that part. Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to. It makes no sense in the episode. And you forgot to put in the reason why one of your main characters is not in the final scene. <laughs> All right. I mean, it, it's it's iconic. I will say that that you know the image of Crazy Joe Davola as Pagliacci. It's not a forgettable episode. I just don't think it's a very funny episode, and I don't love the tone. I feel like the tone is a departure from what we see throughout most of Seinfeld and the stuff we love about Seinfeld. I feel like this is uh, too much of a different show than what we're used to. Agree. And again, our, our podcast, uh, you know, we're all about respect for women. And I think having the, uh, the scene with uh, Elaine is a little is a little over the top, uh, maybe played in 92, but and in 2015, it's a little crazy. Yeah, you don't know. It, it's hard to, you know, get ready to laugh. when We're worried about, you know, is Elaine, it, it, you know, yeah. what what comes next for Elaine if she goes in the dark room with crazy Joe Davola. So uh, yeah. we don't we don't love that. OK. So, Akiva, uh, we talked about things that would be different. Uh, obviously, we could scalp the tickets online. Um, what, what else that we would be able to think? I feel like the texting would be an issue here. Yeah, I, I also, I, to me, the biggest thing is that there's no way that Jerry and Elaine don't realize that Joe DeVoe is the same one when they realize like they're post, both Facebook friends with him. Or like when Elaine says, I'm dating Joe, she's like, Jerry says, who's what's his last name? And then he goes home and he Googles him and he Facebooks him and everything because... You know, he's secretly loved with Elaine and, and he wants to know like who she's dating. Yeah. Uh, you know, so there's no way they don't realize through some kind of online uh, presence that that's the same Joe. At least if one of them realizes, then the jig is up. So one of them's going to realize. OK. All right. Kiva, are you ready to jump into some of the emails? Well, why are we rushing this? Let's take <laughs> some more time. <laughs> All right. So let's go in ahead and take our emails here on Seinfeld. The post show recap. Of course, our emails come in every week at Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. All right, Johnny DeSilvera, he's got a couple of notes uh, that he says, with inflation, guess how much the opera tickets would be, Akiva? Uh, $350. No, only $168.30. Yes. Um, and, uh, oh, from the 150 yeah. Yeah, for the 100 I think. They were 100 Oh, for right, 100 okay. Yeah. Yeah. And also, uh, he says that considering the best seats at the Met go from anywhere between 105 to 320 that's a good market value. Okay. Uh, yeah, but is this the Met? Do we know where this is? <laughs> We're not exactly sure. It's an unnamed, uh, like the Met wouldn't sponsor. It's an unnamed fancy opera house. It's an unnamed fancy opera house, but it is opening night. Okay. Yeah. I mean, listen. We're we're not going if you pay us five hundred, right? So uh, there's no deal that's good, even with inflation. All right. Also, Johnny wants to know 
Uh, would you two ever want a podcast from Crazy Joe Devola's darkroom? I bet that would be a good place to podcast. Yeah, live from uh, Crazy Joe Devola's darkroom. Coming to you room. live from Crazy Joe Devola's darkroom. It's rock. Oh, and I died. Crazy Joe Devola killed me. I, and why? I, like he's got to have a reason to kill us. Just because we gave, I gave the opera bad grade on, on the show. You think he's gonna crazy murder? Joe Devola? Do you not understand? You think he's a serial killer? Like he just kills everyone? It's not a serial killer, but he could, uh, that he doesn't need a reason to kill us. He's crazy. Yeah, but like he's just going to kill us because we're in his house, like invited. We're, we're not invited, but he likes in intruders. in his dark room. Do you think he wants but He likes that? intruders. He does. He wants so intruders. So he can kill them. Also, Crazy Joe Devola, if you notice, like on the wall, the dark room has like a bunch of like, uh, like garden equipment, like a rake and a hoe and stuff like that. Like, like a pickaxe, it looked like. I mean, it looks very menacing. Yeah, he's a menacing guy. And there's a lot of pictures of Elaine also. Yeah. Okay. This is from Amir who wants to say, uh, when watching these episodes, the great Amir who went to uh, the, NLC, uh, the NLCS versus the Cardinals. Game one. Mets Cardinals. Mets yes. one. Unlucky Amir uh, who jinxed the 2006 uh, NLCS. When watching Thanks these episodes, <laughs> I tend to, they won game one. Uh, I, when watching these episodes, I tend to think about how the construction of these storylines changed from the early seasons to later ones. Had this storyline been in one of the later seasons, I can't help but think they would have found a way for Crazy Joe Devola to accidentally make his way on stage and into the actual opera. Putting him in the full costume outside the opera feels like they took the joke 90% of the way but didn't put the last finishing touch. Should that have happened? Should there have been some reason, you know, uh, something, something gets uh, screwed up where Kramer accidentally trips the real Pagliacci that's going to be in the opera and they mistake Joe Devola for the understudy, and Joe Devola has to end up on stage as the new Pagliacci, and he does so great that he ends up, you know, getting a like a, some contract gets discovered, and then uh, ends up being like swept away. I mean, it's possible. Like, I think that's a better ending than the one we have, or the we and then barely Elaine even wants really saw. to date him because he's now he's like a big time opera guy. Even though he almost killed her like earlier in the day, sure. <laughs> well, things. Change. I do like I, that's a. It's a more thoughtful ending than, um, than what we got. And I agree that's something that would probably happen in season eight and not in season four. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's take uh, one more question here today uh, from Chester. Chester says, "This is a general question, but how does Elaine just do the pop in on Crazy Joe Davola without having to buzz up or go through a doorman? Never been in a Manhattan building where you can just walk into like that." That is a general problem in Jerry's place also. First off, how does Elaine have Crazy Joe Devola's address? Did he give it to her and say, hey, stop by anytime? I mean, first of all, Chester, you elitist. Uh, there are many apartments in Manhattan that you could just walk straight into. Like but Crazy Joe Devola's bubble? <laughs> I lived in one. Outside of my, uh, you know, outside of my college apartment in the city, let's just say there was no doorman. And anyone could have walked up and into my door. With you know, and just knock the door down, and no one would have ever noticed. So I, I maybe you know, maybe on the upper west side there are no apartments, but again, he lives in a hovel. Uh, so I hear what he's saying, but I, I think, I, I think there are many apartments if you don't live in a nice one where you couldn't just walk in. And also, I, I don't know how she knows. She could have looked him up in the phone book, right? How many Jay Devolas are there in the phone book? I don't know. That's a good question. That's a good question. Chester also answered. I, it was actually in the comments, but do you remember last week we were talking about? Um, uh, who, you know, why they don't, why, you know, isn't Kramer liable and can they find Kramer liable for yes, the cabin? Yes. So he, resp he says, uh, to respond to the question on the podcast, while there's no criminal liability, 
arson requires intent. Of course, Kramer is liable for the damage to the cabin. A normal person would be contrite and offer to pay. But given the fact that Kramer is a normal person and given the fact that the Russells are crazy and the cabin had such significant, uh, significant emotional value to Susan's father, it's rather mind boggling that the Rosses didn't sue Kramer. We could have had an earlier Jack- Jackie Child's debut and whole Kramer in court side story. Spoken wow. like a true lawyer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Listen, you don't pay $250,000 to go to Harvard Law School to not write into podcasts. <laughs> That's right. All right. Also, Chester says, uh, Crazy Joe is psychotic every time we see him. How could he have been so normal with Elaine as to have managed to date her three times without her catching on? I mean, I, there are people who can put on an act, right, in one part of life. He's a and sociopath. Then the other part. Yeah, I mean, he can, he, you know, he played her. Like, he, he knows enough to know how to act normal on a date, but he can't be normal, like, all the time. Yeah, that's a, maybe he is a serial killer. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I like, that would be another thing, and we only see Crazy Joe DeVol, I think, reacting to the, uh, the pilot in the, in the finale of this season. Yeah. But maybe along the way, like, we could maybe think about, like, other p- people that maybe Crazy Joe DeVola knocks off while he's, oh, no. he's, is he might still be out there you know, waiting to kill again, waiting to strike the Seinfeld gang. Because there's no way he just lets them go. Does he testify in the finale? He does not. It's it's actually like a big missed opportunity. I don't even, he's not in the finale. I'm 99% sure he's not in the, you know, this. like a lot of people were caught like George Steinbrenner. Um, I do not believe that he was uh, even up there. I'm not sure why. I mean, I guess the reason would be they have a case against him more than he has a case against them, right? Hmm. Yeah, and I guess maybe the lawyer, uh, maybe Jackie Childs was able to get uh, Crazy Joe Davola's testimony withdrawn. Maybe he just felt like he's yeah. not stable. I don't know. He's pretty busy with Terry Hatcher. He really did not do a good job. And we'll get to that in detail. Uh, you know, that episode may, hopefully that'll be the, the only episode that's longer than this one. <laughs> yes, um, that'll be, uh, uh, Jerry, in the finale, um, if, I, if I could ask a question of the, okay, yeah, go ahead. Uh, in the Seinfeld finale, uh, why did Crazy Joe Davola not testify against uh, the? <laughs> what do they call them in the finale? The uh, the something four. The something four. Uh, didn't he have an axe to grind with them? Wouldn't he have been a good person to have on the the witness stand? Like, uh, I I really gotta go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this, you guys need to get a life. Is, is this mandatory? Can I leave now? This, <laughs> do I have to be do here? Do I have to be here for this? I mean, I mean, do I have to do this? Uh, <laughs> well, we did. We did win the contest. Uh, we were <laughs> masters of our domain. Uh, and then uh, they make a lot of hay about the George's tiny talks. Uh, this is from Chester also. Uh, but the real question is, uh, well, first off, he wants to know why did George grow three inches in his thirties. But the real question is, why did George wear white socks? Look at Chester, the the fa- the fashion plate extraordinaire, uh, picked up on why is George wearing white socks? It's a good question. Um, I don't know. I mean, listen, I, I admit it. I've worn white socks in inappropriate scenarios before, but I think um, I don't know. Maybe he's a secret Hasidic Jew. They like to wear the white socks with the suits. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, well, I think so. What a way to stumble onto that piece of news. Do you think uh, like he's just pretending? I don't know. I don't know. All right, Akiva, here we are. Wow. Uh, we, we really did a number on this one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think the number was two hours. <laughs> did, anybody, did anybody make it to the end of this podcast? What do you think? Um, I, yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not going to like count uh, Johnny DeSilvera out. 
Not no. going to count. Not going to count some of the some of the regulars. But I, you know, <laughs> the over under. I mean, we ten people make it to this point. I, I mean, I really hope so. That's like that was a very low number of people to be listening. <laughs> like right, at this 15. point, we're just having. If less than ten people didn't make it to this point, we're just having a conversation. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. You can tell me your social security number right now. Nobody will even. Uh, I, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. I'll tell you the first three digits, okay. and then the next time we go over two hours, I'll tell you the next three, <laughs> and the third time I'll tell you the, the final. Wow. Okay, there you go. <laughs> All right. All right, Akiva, what's the hashtag for this episode of the podcast? We've talked about so many things. Oh, boy. So I, things. We should probably keep it Seinfeld-related. I don't, I don't even... Um, hmm. Talk what do you have? So many different topics in this podcast. We talked about uh, our, our interview with Jerry and Larry that's coming up. We talked about uh, the, the uh, you know, Crazy Joe Devola plot holes. How could people have known him? Is that what we should do? Like CJD plot holes? <laughs> C- I don't know. That's kind of, that's not, it really doesn't really roll off the tongue now, does it? Uh, like bad wedding toast. I had a good one before we, we were going to record this, but I did not write it down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, what about uh, Cherry Banaka? Yeah, we could do Cherry Banaka. I think that's, uh, that's harmless. <laughs> Unless it gets sprayed in your face. Unless it gets sprayed in your eyes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Um, I see somebody on Twitter on uh, July 15th, uh, a woman named uh, Michelle Collins. Uh, well, somebody tweeted, uh, the rye for just, Frank, uh, just for Frank Costanza and the opera for the moment when George walks in in the tiny talks. Like, again, people talk about their favorite episodes. Uh, yeah, I should have included that one. This girl, uh, she said, uh, two of my favorite episodes of all time, but felt they got uh, their day in the sun on many a top 10 list. Uh, uh, hashtag Cherry Banaka. The opera's not on any top 10 lists. I don't know. Except for like top 10 episodes of Seinfeld that, you know, have a lot of plot holes. Okay. All right. Akiva, I'm exhausted. What is the next episode we're going to talk about? All right. So we decided on Cherry Banaka. The next episode, uh, much more uh, da- back, you know, down to earth, uh, The Virgin. Oh. Uh, where the guys come up with an idea for the pilot. We meet more of The Virgin. Fun times at by all. Okay. That'll be very exciting. All right. So if you're listening to this podcast, I, I imagine that you're subscribed at postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. But if you've never left us feedback or a rating in iTunes. Uh, we greatly appreciate that. That helps more and more people find the show. The Hulu news is a big deal. I think that some people are going to maybe uh, say, I wonder if this is a Seinfeld podcast. Uh, and maybe, just maybe, they find one that has uh, lots of nice reviews and star ratings from people. So if you'd be so kind, and if you uh, want to leave us a good rating, if you want to leave us a bad rating, uh, you know, don't feel compelled. That uh, you could just send us a scathing email Seinfeld at post show recaps that does just that that'll probably that'll hit us directly uh, and and Akiva and I will both be able to field the criticism better as opposed to warning off other people about how bad this podcast is that's right or you could start your own podcast about other podcasts and then give us a bad review <laughs> that's true either one either one uh, and you could do it from crazy Joe Devola's dark room that's right should we do it instead of cherry binaca what about crazy Joe Devola, CJD dark room is that too long that's like a yeah, that's like a mouthful. Yeah, that's a mouthful. Uh, that's too that's too much. All right. So, uh, postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes to leave us feedback and star ratings. And Akiva, we'll talk to you next week. Yeah.